Hey, Turnkey family. Welcome to episode one of the Turnkey Brothers podcast. And what a better way for us to start this off than bringing on our personal mentor of ours and the creator of the team behind the Turnkey Brothers, Boise Turnkey, this is Corby Goad. And what better way to get started than listening to his origin stories. He really breaks down what it's like to have analysis paralysis, setting your goals, and achieving a better future for your family. So stay tuned and check it out. Hey guys, stay till the end because Corby talks about an actionable item that you can implement today that changed the course of his life. Oh man. Okay. Here it is. Episode one. (laughs) All right. Welcome to our podcast today. We have a special guest, Corby Goad. Uh, What makes him so special is he's a local investor here in Boise, Idaho. He's an entrepreneur. He's an educator. We're glad to have him here today. He's here to talk about his story, how he got started and what this podcast means to him and where we're moving forward. So with that being said, Corby, if you don't mind just uh, bringing everyone up to speed on how you got your start in real estate. Yeah. Well, uh, first of all, I asked you not to to make such a big deal about my intro, but I appreciate it. <laughs> we'll no holds barred. Yeah. We'll edit it out. Don't worry. <laughs> Every nice thing we say about you. Uh, okay. So like, how did I get started in real estate? Yeah, definitely. Okay. So uh, I'm a local guy. I grew up in Boise and, uh, and was going to college here at Boise State University. And uh, I was dating my girlfriend, who's now my wife. And we're both super competitive people. Um, I'd never even considered buying a house or real estate, never even crossed my mind, but she, uh, her, her parents actually offered to co-sign on a mortgage for her. And so she bought a really cool little house. And I mean, I, I could have just hung out at her house all the time and, and we did a lot, but I, I, in my mind, I was just like, well, my girlfriend can't have a house and I don't have a house. I can't be living with all my buddies in this little apartment. <laughs> right. So, uh, I, I just went out and, and started shopping for a house. I talked to I, some random mortgage lender. When I was in college, I worked at the YMCA, and there's a, a lot of people and all kinds of different professions and stuff always through there, and I just had a passing acquaintance that was a mortgage lender. Uh, and so I just mentioned to him, like, hey, can you see if I can, uh, if I can uh, qualify for a mortgage? And so sat down with him, filled an application, and, I mean, I made no money at all. And I was blown away that a bank was willing to, to give me a mortgage for, at the time, I, it was like 100000 and some change, which was more money than I ever could imagine that I would ever see in my life. So anyway, I uh, started shopping for a house. And at the time, you could buy an okay house in Boise for about $100,000. This is, I'm old. This is 20 years ago and some change. Um, anyhow, I bought the house. I lived in it for a couple of years. My wife and I got engaged, and we started looking for a house that we could move in together. Um, she put her house on the market and sold it, and I, I hadn't done that. And after like six weeks, she was like, well, when are you putting your house on the market? And I, I honestly don't have any idea what gave me the idea to keep the house or to rent it out. I didn't know anything about real estate. There's no such thing as bigger pockets at the time. I'd never read a real estate book. Um, I, honestly, like I, I didn't had no idea what I was doing. I just said, I think I'm going to try to keep it and rent it out and see what happens. And she told me what a stupid idea that was, and uh, that it was the the dumbest thing she'd ever heard. Um, and so we went back and forth about it, and eventually we came to this agreement that like, okay, we could keep the house, but she didn't want anything to do with it. She she didn't want to hear about it. She didn't want me spending weekends over there working on it or anything like that. And so we kind of had a handshake, handshake agreement that that would be the case. Um, and none of that actually happened. I, I was over there working on it all the time. There's all kinds of problems because I didn't know what I was doing. I was a terrible landlord. Uh, I, I, I didn't know how to fix anything. I didn't know anyone who could fix anything. I didn't know how to screen a tenant. I didn't know how to manage a tenant. I didn't know how to write a lease, nothing. I just kind of like dove in and did it. Um, and so I did everything wrong. 
everything. I mean, everything you can imagine. My first tenant, uh, just fast forwarding, she was there for like five years, so that was good. But the reason that she uh, left the house is because she was in prison. She ended up in prison. And so uh, so I, technically I had to evict her, um, and we got into the house, and the house was just destroyed. I hadn't been paying close enough attention to what was going on. Um, but I'll, I'll just, for, for those of people out there that are always worried about like how hard it is to, to evict people, I can tell you right now it's very easy to evict someone who's in prison. You can serve them very <laughs> easily. You know where they're at. They get all the legal paperwork, and they don't show up for court. Very easy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> so I uh, went through the eviction process. I got a judgment. Um, it was, I just, I represented myself. It was a small claims thing and my expenses were higher than the small claims max, but I didn't want to hire an attorney. So I just got the maximum for small claims, which I think is still the same as $5,000 plus court fees. So I got a judgment for 5,000 and some change and never saw a penny of that. I mean, I tried, but I, I never saw a penny of that judgment, but it was a really good education for me. Um, we went in and fixed up that house. Uh, of course, taking time away from our real lives and weekends and money, just like I promised that we wouldn't do. Uh, but we went, my wife and I went over and fixed up that house and we had some people to help us and got it back up to snuff, got some tenants in there. And, and then my wife started jumping in and helping a little bit and she's much smarter than me and better at this kind of stuff. And so she started making things more professional, like bit by bit by bit. And, um, it was started going okay. And then, uh, we were teachers at the time we got out of school and we both had teaching jobs and 20 years ago, I think our first year salaries were $23,000, something like that. We didn't make anything. Um, but we decided, like, we'll see if we can do another rental house. And so we went to another lender that a friend of mine recommended. And this bank, for some reason, was willing to loan us a whole <laughs> bunch more money. And I've no, I mean, we were making $23,000. We had this rental house that was not going that great. And this bank said, why don't you try that again? So <laughs> That's amazing. <Yeah. laughs> One of, one of the things I want to touch on here is analysis paralysis. Some yeah. of the clients and people that we talk to, they talk about all the books they've read, the education they've, they've sought out, they've invested in themselves, but they haven't made a deal. They haven't moved forward. And that story just um, resonates. Re resonates with me because you didn't know any of that. You just, mm -hmm. for you, it was about taking actionable steps forward. And I think you can relate because I know you have some of the clients that are in this, that same position. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I want to touch on the... Uh, the court fees that you were talking about, like the $5,000. I, I mean, what a small fee for the education that you were able to, why you have a long-term management company now and Heather runs it brilliantly, obviously, as you said, uh, she does everything smarter than all of us combined, but, <laughs> um, like that $5,000 that you paid to gain that education has manifested over the rest of your life. Really? Oh yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I've met hundreds of people who paid 10 times that for mentoring and coaching that still, haven't pulled the trigger on their deal. Oh yeah, totally. Man, that is so important for those first time first timers trying to get into real estate investing. Okay. Yeah. So you had your very humble beginnings. You you learned trial by fire. Um, where do you go from here? Did you see that it started to work? Were you like, wow, we actually have something here? What happened then? Well, yeah. uh, uh, just to jump back into you were talking about analysis paralysis yeah. too. Just I want to hit on that real quick. Um, a, a couple things. One I've always been the type of person that, like, if I want to do something, I just jump in and do it, and I learn later. And I know that's not everybody's personality type. Um, that's not my wife's personality type. Like, she's very analytical and tentative about things, and that's why she didn't want to have anything to do with me doing this thing. But, um, you know, I have some clients and, and some friends that are like that, that just kind of jump in and figure things out, and that's cool. But I know a lot of people aren't. Um, but I, I worked with a ton of people that are just starting out doing investments, and it's really interesting to see the people who – People actually get themselves to the point, even if they're analytical and they, 
they really want to think about every possible angle and analyze every possible problem they might have. Once they dip their toe in and try it, it's been really fascinating seeing the people who actually do a deal, even if they were super nervous and scared about it. Once they get through the other side and seeing that, oh, it's not that bad. It it was actually much more simple than I thought. And even if they didn't do a great deal for their first one, they see that they didn't die. It wasn't that big of a deal. It's incredible, right? It's amazing. It's incredible. Um, I I mean, I've worked with a ton of people or just like, you know, I've just made friends with people who are jumping in and and they'll they'll do a deal. They'll take five years to do a deal because they're so nervous about it. And then they do a really simple one. And then they do one six months later and then three months later. And it's just, it's sort of addictive, but it's not, it's just not as scary as people think it is until they get one done. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, sorry to jump back there. Yeah. So uh, moving forward, like, um, where, when did you finally see that power in real estate? And when were you like, wow, I think we need to start focusing our attention, our time, our energy towards this. Right. Yeah. And you were about to talk about your second deal, but I'm curious on not to add, throw too much at you (laughs) at once, but what deal was like your home run deal that like Matt catapulted. Said, kinda, yeah, exactly. Made you open your eyes to like, Oh, we need to start focusing more of our time on this. Well, to be honest, like, I don't think I've, uh, I don't think I've ever really had a home run deal. Like something was just a complete no brainer. Um, but to be honest, the, probably the, the, the deal that I've done that did the most for us is the house that I live in. It's the same house that I bought when, when we were getting married. So that the first house that we bought together, we still live in that same house. Um, Obviously, this was when the Boise market wasn't as crazy as it has been the last few years. This was like 18 years ago. But we there was this big, really old, funky foreclosure that we kind of had our eyes on. And this was in 2004. Um, and uh, we walked through it, and it was really cool, and it needed everything. I mean, the house wasn't even livable. And lending practices have changed a sense. Like, we got a, a conventional loan on the house, but you could never get a conventional loan. Now. I mean, the plumbing didn't work. There was, like, live electrical wires hanging all over the house. Um, so, but anyway, uh, we, we walked through the house and ran the numbers and it was, it was too much. We couldn't afford it. The bank was asking a lot more than we could afford to do. We loved the house and, and kind of just chalked it up to, well, oh, well, we'll keep looking. That sucks. But, um, so we looked for another few months and then we were up in that same neighborhood again. And I was like, well, let's drive by that house and see if somebody's fixed it up. It's been cleaned up. Let's see what it looks like. And we drove by and it was still for sale. Um, so we looked up the listing, uh, and th- I mean, this was before you could do it on your phone or anything like, so we, we went back and I, I don't remember if we like went onto a website or called the realtor or what, but they had, the bank had dropped the price by a hundred thousand dollars in the past three months. And it was right at, right kind of in the sweet spot of what we thought was reasonable for us to afford. And we were like, we're just going to jump in and do it. So we bought that house. Um, it, it was way bigger than we needed. It's still bigger than we need. The lot is bigger than we need, but oh, nice. because of that, uh, it, it's gained a lot in equity and mm-hmm. it's, it, it, when we first were getting rolling, like, I mean, just the sweat equity we put into it, it provided so much equity and leverage for us to borrow against, making $23,000 a year. I mean, we, we couldn't save up $3,000 to save our lives. But we built up an, enough equity in our primary house, which was really easy to borrow against equity in your primary house, and we were able to go out and start start doing stuff with that. Yeah, that's great. Um, I'm glad you brought that up, too, because one of the things that I've noticed in real estate is you don't always need your own money. And if you go out and do one or two deals, like you were saying, mm-hmm. you do a deal your first year, then you do another one six months, and you do another one three months. Like once you start getting the hang of it, the equity and the appreciation that you put towards in these homes, your time, your sweat equity, your efforts will start to appreciate. Mm-hmm. And then those appreciations you can use to then buy more real estate. Is that kind of how you did it? Yeah, yeah. Um, banks are really generous with loaning against equity in your own personal home. And some people get nervous about that. And I understand that. But um, I mean, if you're coming from a place like where I was, I, I wanted to do more and making 
23 or $25,000 a year, the chances of me saving up $40,000 for a down payment, it was, it was impossible. It yeah. never, ever would have happened. Yeah. And by the time you save up all that money, inflation already skyrocketed right. and now you have to save up even more money. Well, no, the funny thing was, is, I mean, like going through some of the numbers now on that very first house that I bought that I turned into a rental, um, at the time appreciation was kind of trucking along in Boise or somewhere in, in like the 6% range. And I paid a hundred thousand dollars for that house. I cleaned it up a little bit. And after a couple of years, um, I refinanced it and it, it appraised for like $135,000, mm-hmm. which yes. I mean, now a, a lot of people that are in real estate that are doing flips or that kind of stuff, especially the prices here, think like, well, two years and like $35,000 in equity and you clean it up like that, that that's nothing. Right. But I was looking at like, this is the house that I live in. I, I probably spent like $2,000 on materials, cleaning it up and just my time doing yard work and whatever. And I made more money doing just that stuff that I would have been doing on any house I was living in anyway, than I would have made in a year at my job. <laughs> That's An incredible. entire year. Yeah. And that, that blew my mind that like, even though it took me a little bit of time and effort to do it, that it was far less than energy and stress than I was spending at my job. And I made more money doing that. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah, I see that a lot in in this market, uh, especially the the Ada County and uh, even Canyon County a little bit. Like talking to people who bought in 2012 or even 2017, mm-hmm. and they don't realize that they have this giant pool of money that they're living in just because they haven't considered it, and they can take that and buy a second home and get a vacation home essentially that they can convert into a you know wealth generator. Yep. Yeah, I always tell people like, think about the house that you own right now. Imagine the equity you've had in that. What if you just had a second home or a third home? How much power is in just scaling, you know, your real estate business? Because it is a business at the end of the day. Speaking of businesses, um, you have since started some of your own companies with Cohesion and Boise Turnkey. And that's why we're here today with the Boise Turnkey and the Turnkey Brothers. Um, Can you speak a little bit about how you have been able to grow and scale your outreach into the community and the people that you work with and, and how you mentor others? Yeah, yeah, we, we've been really lucky. Um, that kind of all came together uh, just on its own. Like, it, I just feel like some of those opportunities just kind of landed in my lap. It wasn't uh, some epiphany that me or my wife had or anything like that. Just opportunities came to us. And I think that was because we just were open to it and we're out working hard. Um, so Cohesion Properties, which is our, our property management company, that started because uh, it, w- it was actually my wife's idea, but we were self-managing these properties. And uh, anyone who's been a landlord um, for their own tenants and is is self-managing will understand that you have like one end of the spectrum where you have a professional relationship with your tenant and the other end of the spectrum where it's a little bit of a a personal relationship because you know that person you walked them through you met their family all that kind of stuff and then 95 percent of the junk in between is this gray area where are you having a professional conversation with them or a friendly conversation with them and i'm not suggesting that that uh i was or most people like our buddy buddy with their tenants necessarily but for example, like one of the last conversations I had with one of our tenants um, was a guy that I'd walked through the house and I met his family and like we had talked a bunch and, and we had, a, I mean, it was a professional landlord and tenant relationship, but he knew my family. I knew his family just like Boise is a small town. Like right. there, we had some connections and, and, you know, I'd talked with them and they called me every once in a while. Like, Hey, my daughter, you know, needs this. And can we put this in the backyard? So, I mean, there was some, it was like, anyways, I knew about them. They knew about me. Um, so anyhow, there were, there was one month where we had uh, a water bill and it was like $400 and every other water bill was that we usually got was like 60 bucks. Mm-hmm. And so I called the guy up and was like, Hey, what's up with this water bill? And he's like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. 
And I said, well, it's, it's like 10 times what your water bills normally are. So it, did somebody move in to the house? Did you have some roommates? Did you have some guests come? And he was like, that's none of your business. And I said, well, can you help me understand why this water bill is so much? And he was like, it's none of your business. And I, I said, well, can you help me pitch in? He pitch in some. Can, can we send somebody over to check out the plumbing? He's like, no, I don't want anybody to come over and check anything out. I'm not going to pay for it. I'm not going to pitch in at all. That's not what the lease says. I don't have to. So I'm not going to. And he was right. The lease didn't, wow. the lease didn't yeah. say that he had to pitch in. The lease said I was going to pay the water. Mm. Um, and so I, I was really frustrated. And so I made some comment to him like, well, okay. I mean, if it's going to go like that, then, you know, your lease is up in a couple months. I'm, I'm going to have to bump up your rent to make up the difference. And uh, it just, I mean, it wasn't like a, uh, it wasn't like a collaborative thing. And it wasn't sure. a professional thing. Sure. Right? Right. It was like a person, yeah. a weird quasi-personal uh, sort of conversation. So I remember like venting to my wife about that. And I don't remember if it was the same day. It might've been right then, but like within, you know, within a day or so of that, she was like, well, why don't we start a property management company and we'll, we'll set it up so that we're employees of the property management company. We don't have to be dishonest with anybody, but we can present ourselves as employees of this company. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, can you do that? And she said, I don't know. We'll find out. (laughs) And so we found out, I mean, we went, we found an attorney and we sat down and talked with them about it and. Um, property management in the state of Idaho, as you guys know, is completely yeah. unregulated. So right. anybody can yeah, be property Yeah, it's the Wild management. West yeah. out here. <laughs> so, I mean, it wasn't like we needed to get trained or certified or anything like that. Um, we just went down to the Secretary of State. We gave him 100 bucks, started a business, and we had our attorney just write up some basic operating agreements and give us a lease. And we were rolling, and we had a property management company. And then wow. from then on, every time that we had an interaction with a, a tenant, we, you know, we had business cards, we had yard signs, we had a basic website set up. And I mean, it wasn't the most professional thing when we first got started, mm-hmm. but it it looked and felt like we were employees of this company, and that's the way we presented ourselves, yeah. and that's the way we had it structured. And I've not had another weird conversation or a problem since then like that. That's it, awesome. It was a total game changer. You made actionable steps each and every day, one percent better each and every day. Two things I want to touch on on that on that was the hard work and dedication you put into that, and the risk involved in doing so, because a lot of people. A lot of people I talk to is like, they say, I will never get into real estate. It is too risky. Mm-hmm. What if a water line breaks? Mm-hmm. What if I have to go unplug a toilet? What if I have to go change a roof? And my simple response to that is, well, don't you have problems that happen at work? You know, don't the brakes need change? Don't you have to worry about, you know, the politics that go on at work? And they're like, well, yeah. I was like, well, it's the same in real estate. You know, you just have to put into it. And then what you put into it, the hard work, um, gets you that 1% better each and every day. Mm-hmm. And I would argue to say that hard work trumps any kind of knowledge or education um, thing that you could go out and seek because you're going to learn it as you go. Oh, for sure. I agree with you 110%. Yeah, yeah. And something you, you implemented a really clever negotiation technique where uh, a lot of people who have a lot of power kind of have that, oh, well, I'm just an employee. Like this, I, I need to go to my boss and get them to make the actual decision. Um, whereas a lot of people that don't actually have the power in their, the uh, business relationship, they'll be like bolster themselves up and make them seem more important. So mm-hmm. uh, that was a really clever plan that Heather implemented. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I learned that the hard way because mm-hmm. when we first rented out that very first house, I, I was a young, dumb kid and right. I was so proud of myself. I was like, I'm, I'm a real estate investor and I've got mm-hmm. this house and I'm going to be a landlord. And like, I was happy to tell everyone who came to look at that house that I was the landlord and I was the owner and I was going to keep an eye on them and make sure they're taking care of the property. And like, that's the worst possible thing <laughs> I could have done. Worst possible. Thing. Yeah. yeah. So 
Yeah, I mean, I, I learned it the hard way, and she came up with a solution. So. <laughs> well, Corby, um, we'll switch gears a little bit here. I do treat you as a mentor of mine uh, moving forward. I feel like a lot of the experiences that you have gone through, I've been able to emulate and learn from, and I think that's that's why I'm here where I'm at today. Um, some of it on my own fruition, for sure. You know, I have to tread my own path. But with that being said, you've just really emulated this, like, aura around you of just wanting to help others and building a team, and now you have – You've got a lot of people on your team now that can can have an out outreach in the community um, to really help out. Um, is there anything you want to speak about on just like the power of community and helping others? And uh, for me, really, it, it's I mean, I, I, thank you first of all. For the <laughs> oh, totally. Words, but it, it like I don't I don't look at it like we're running a nonprofit organization. And right. Out, you know, but the thing for me is that um, you know I, I started I I didn't. I don't think I ever had more than like $1,500 to my name before I started doing this ever. Mm -hmm. And I, I told you the kind of money I was making, like the chances of me having much more than that were not much. And it it's to me, like I, I, you guys have seen, like I don't drive a fancy car. I don't, I don't dress fancy. Like that's not my thing. I want to have free time with my family and be able to travel and experience mm -hmm. stuff. That's what I care about. And, uh, you know, other people have other goals, but investing in real estate allowed me to achieve my personal goals. I mean, I, I get to go on these long trips with my family. We can go to all kinds of cool places and do really cool things that if I were a teacher, I never, ever would have been able to do, not in a billion years. And it, it's it, it's kind of a silly thing, but I, I always tell people that I'm I'm the dumbest person I know. And if I can do this, literally anyone <laughs> can do it. And, and I'm, I'm certainly no genius. I'm joking about being the dumbest person, but I mean, like, I, I, I meet people every day that are smarter than I am, that are harder working than I am that, that just like have it all together. But the fact that, that I, I, I'm able to, to kind of live what I think is my best life. Yeah. And, and I was able to do it starting with very, very little it, to me. It's so cool that I can help other people potentially do that. Yeah. And so I, that's, that's the thing for me is I love being able to show people that you, you, anybody can do this. Anybody can do this. And I see posts on bigger pockets or like Facebook real estate groups all the time where people say, well, I've got bad credit and nobody will give me a loan and I don't have any cash or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Well, obviously step one isn't going to be buy an apartment building, right? That's not, that, that's not the <laughs> advice. Right? I, mean, I yeah. thought it was. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you'll, you'll see a lot of people who are in our shoes that'll say like, Oh, you need to find a hard money lender or something like that. Mm -hmm. That's not step one. Step one is you get your stuff together. Yeah. Get your mm -hmm. life together. If you have bad credit, I'm not saying you have to have the best credit to buy a house or invest in real estate, but if you have bad credit, that there's an underlying issue there right. for you. Yeah, it's mindset. Yeah, I mean you're you're either not great with money, or you're not great with your time or your responsibility, that sort of thing. And to me, like a credit score, people always say, "Well, credit score isn't a good indicator of of how good you are with money." And that may be true, but a credit score is a good indicator of how how responsible you are with yourself and your resources. Yeah, totally. Um, and so anyway, I'm, that that's a very specific example, but. Um, I mean, it, anybody can do it, but, but step one, a, a lot of the gurus and, and people that are in this, they, they want to go from, I don't have any money and I have terrible credit to start knocking on doors and find a hard money lender. And I, I know some people have been able to put some stuff together that way, but there's a much simpler way. And it's really just like, if you're going to do this and you want to, you're willing to work hard and take some risk and that sort of thing, you, you got to hold yourself accountable for those. Yeah. And if you're not holding yourself accountable for the basic things in your life now, then scaling that is not going to work. Yeah. Right. If I could just summarize that real quick, what I love that you talked about was goal setting. And for you, your biggest goals was family first and, and then also having time to spend with your family. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
that's my goal. That's the direction that I'm aiming for. How can I get there? Well, I know that real estate is a great avenue. It's proven itself. You put hard work into doing it. Great. I'm going to choose real estate. Now, what, what are some actual steps that I could take every month, every week, every day to get me towards those goals? And a lot of people don't know where to start. So I love that you said, you know, what's one thing I could do? Well, let me get on the phone with a lender. Let's, let's just see what he has to say. Or let me fix my credit. Like those are super powerful action items that you can take right now that will get you that much closer towards your goals. Yeah. I, I actually can't get past this uh, rags to riches story. So I got to know, like, where was that pivotal moment where you went from, hey, we got these uh, W-2. I mean, it's becoming an educator. That's you have to put effort in. Like you have to go to school, higher education. Um, but where was that pivotal moment where you're just looking back and like, hey, we're making more on the side doing this. Like our time is earning more money over here than what we thought our lives were going to be. Because correct me if I'm wrong, I imagine becoming an educator, you were planning on retiring as an educator. Yeah. I mean, there, a lot of the people in my family are teachers. My in-laws are all teachers. And they all, they all and, and I had that same mindset that like, if you, you stick with it, you're going to have a pension and you'll have right. a comfortable retirement. You get summers off, all that good stuff. Um, so what really what happened with us, uh, we kind of skipped over like the middle section, but we were doing, we started doing like a deal here and there when we could afford to do it and we had time to do it. And, and one of the cool things is like generally we had summers off. And so during the summer we could fix up a house yeah. and we could do a lot of the work ourselves. And so we learned a lot doing it that way. But anyway, we were doing a deal here and there. Um, my wife was still teaching and at the time uh, I, w I was working for, um, for the state of Idaho and we had our first kid. And uh, I don't know if I've talked to you guys about this before, but my, when my first son was born, he had a heart defect and we didn't oh. know it. We brought him home and he kept having these, these issues. And my wife's very intuitive to me. I just was kind of like, Oh, he's, he looks like he doesn't yeah. feel that great. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, after a little bit of that, she was like, no, we got to take him to the doctor. And so we took him to his pediatrician. And um, anyway, we ended up being in the, the NICU for like a week and a half oh, and they were trying to figure out what was going on with him and trying all these different things. Um, not to keep you in suspense, obviously he's fine and we got everything fixed up and he's doing great. But, um, he was born in September and so the school year had just started. And so my wife, uh, she had like, I, I think the schools give you like 12 weeks of, uh, of maternity leave. Mm -hmm. And so when that 12 weeks is up, she's like, I, I can't have my son with this heart defect and, and me at school all day long and you're at work. Like we can't hand him off to somebody else. And we had gone to, you know, we'd looked at daycares and we had toured a bunch of daycares and none of them were that great. And we ran the numbers and m with my wife's amazing teaching salary, we were going to be bringing home like $400 a month after we paid the daycare bills. And we sat down and we were like, why, why would you for $400 a month, you're going to not be with your kid right, yeah, and you be stressed out. Yeah. yeah, that's that's huge. I'm going way deeper than you asked. No, <laughs> please. Yeah. So anyway, she stayed home. Uh, she she got a, an extended leave of absence from the schools. And the school district, she worked for Boise Schools. I just give them a little shout out. They were so cool about it. She nice. literally took that entire year off and she got to use sick leave the entire year. So they held her job and she had the entire year off, got paid for it, and she stayed home with the kid. And it was awesome. But a, a lot of people don't realize, and, and Matt's about to have his first kid. Yeah. Yes. You, you have a kid yeah. on the way and, and you're like the day that that kid is born, my life's going to change. I'm going to be, that's all I'm doing 24 yeah. hours a day. Mm -hmm. We're not going to be sleeping at night. We're going to be up all day feeding the kid. And uh, that's not how it works. Your kid's going to sleep 20 hours a day and you're going to be sitting around like, Oh my gosh, what am I doing? Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's what happened with us. I, I was away at work and, and Heather, like she's a busybody, and she was like, he's sleeping all day long. I'm, I, I need something intellectually stimulating. 
I got to say, there's probably some parents out here right now, like listening to this and they're like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> we're, we're, sign me up for that parenthood. It's just good parenthood. Yeah. So, uh, so I just said, well, why don't you just do the books for the, the rentals? And at the time, I think we had three or four, we had a few, yeah. few rentals. And I said, why don't you do the books? And like, I, I, I think I mentioned before, like, I'm not a detail person. We would get paid rent. I'd put it in an account. I'd pay the bills. I didn't pay any attention to it, anything like that. Sure. I, w- I wasn't nothing official. We yeah. weren't doing any bookkeeping. Um, so anyway, she took it over and created some structure to it and started like actually nice. keeping books. And so she did that for about two months. And she sat me down and she was like, did you know that we were making money doing this? And I said, <laughs> well, I, I, said I, I assumed that we were making money. <laughs> I said, I assumed, but I never really like sat down and analyzed it. I, I kind of keep an eye on like the, the equity growth. And she yeah, was like, right. She's like, well, it's not a ton, but like, it's it, it's actually pretty good. And she was like, I think like if we put a little more energy into this, we could like really make something happen. And so, she kind of just spread the word to a few of her friends that like we had this property management company and and we were investing and, and she kind of wanted to scale if anybody else had some properties. And so we had some friends that had some rentals and they were like, well, yeah, why don't you manage these? And then we just started getting referrals and the property management thing just took off honestly. Like nice. over the course of was definitely less than a year, but it got to the point where she was like, I seriously need help. So she had left her job at the, at the school district, stay home with our kid and the property management thing just started taking off and she needed help. And she was like, um, to go back to that, we just gone on a little vacation. I got back, I went back to my job and my boss came into my office and then said like, Hey, how was your vacation or anything? Like she, she said, I just want to let you know that I'm not going to let you take more than three days off in a row anymore. Cause it's too hard when you're gone. <sighs> and, we have this thing in our family that we never return from a vacation without booking our next vacation. Oh, and so I had, that's a- fantastic. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I love that. I, I hadn't asked my <laughs> boss, but we had just booked another trip mm-hmm. bef- like the night before. And it was like a two week trip to Mexico. And I didn't say anything to her. I just was kind of like, well, that's not very cool. Yeah. And so yeah. again, I went home and, and I was venting to Heather and she was like, why don't you just go quit your job tomorrow? I need help. And I kind of was like, huh, that's funny. And she yeah. was like, no, I'm <laughs> no, serious. Why don't you go yeah. quit your job? tomorrow?" And I was like, really? And she said, yeah. When, when else are we going to do it? Like, now's the time. When else? And so I went in the next day and quit my job, and here we are. Wow. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that so much. I got to hit on that because, uh, I mean, not going into – I'll leave everybody on the hook for, you know, our stories, but Matt and I both came from the military as well as your wife, Kylie, and uh, we were able to jump ship and essentially quit our, our W-2 jobs because of the power of real estate and having that ability just in your back pocket – where you realize not only, oh, we're actually making money at this, but just having that financial security where you could leave and do something that you're actually passionate about. Um, but mostly like having the ability to secure your family life. I think that's yeah. so important. Yeah, powerful motivators, mm-hmm. right? I'm sure everybody has a powerful motivator in their life. For you, it was family. And man, that was an incredible story on how you got your start. And that's phenomenal. For, for me, one of my powerful motivators is what is a retirement? Like we've had this traditional, like, Mm -hmm. you know, for the past, I don't know, 50, 80 years, like you got to put in your 40 years to retire. And I look at the examples in my life, my peers, my family, my friends, my grandparents, you know, they were all succumbed to the W2 mindset. If you work hard for 40 years and you get your $2,000 a month after that. And after buying just a couple homes, I'm making more in one year than they are on their 40 years of retirement. So that was a huge, powerful motivator for me. And I know, Matt, that's something that you're leading into right now. Can you kind of talk about what your goals are and your motivator is after hearing these stories and how you're moving forward? Yeah, absolutely. So um, 
to touch back on like the military side of things like that is that retirement mindset is amplified through the military. I mean, it's do your 20 years, get your government retirement, find a civilian job that and then you finally the civilian you can grow out your facial hair and you can I got to stop looking over at you without like <laughs> keep the keep it in the mic. Um, but grow out your facial hate facial hair. You don't have to do PT every morning. Um, and then you can work for the next 20 years. And finally, after 40, you have your retirement and you can go fishing every day. And you have all these toys that you've accumulated because every time your uh, modest wage increases, you kind of scale up your living. You get the bigger house. The You keep up with the Joneses, essentially. The living thermostat, yeah. And it just came to the point where I was working my W-2 job. Um, and then I realized that there was more to life than letting somebody choose what I had to do to earn a living. Um, and at that point I just made the hard decision. Like I can't, I can't keep moving on in my W2 life. So I'm going to figure something else out. I was already going to real estate school just for a side hustle kind of deal. Um, and decided, you know what, like I have this asset, I'm going to house hack. I'll just rent out the rooms and let somebody else pay for my mortgage. And then I'll figure out if I have to work at a bar or something and sling drinks, uh, for my, <laughs> my, uh, for your dog's kibble. Exactly. To keep a couple of my dog's bowls, <laughs> then I'll do that. And I was going through real estate school met Matt and at that, he kind of opened my eyes to like, Oh, I won't be a realtor. I'll just be a full-time investor. Um, so kind of like the same story, but that's where I'm at. I'm, I'm beginning my doing with the house hack and then hopefully be able to get another property using the shout out to the VA loan. Um, the most powerful, financial tool that we have known to man uh because i essentially use like zero of my own money maybe i think my closing costs were like five grand and in a couple of years i'll be able to pull out that equity and and use it for another property so there's there's always a way <laughs> uh, totally yeah so you you went and bought your first home for essentially we'll call it around five grand mm -hmm. and now you're renting the rooms out yeah so i'm at uh Yes. So yeah. I'm renting each room out. And if my tenants, they're, they're good buddies of mine. Okay. Um, I, even though they're good buddies of mine, I keep it as a business. So I'm renting it for the current market, which I'm renting each room out for accumulatively uh, more than what I'm paying for my mortgage. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. And like I said, I did 0% down because of the VA loan. So I'm getting about 300 bucks a month to live in a house that I don't pay for. Yeah. That's the power of house hacking. I know mm -hmm. there's a multiple ways of earning money through real estate, but not only are you earning money, you're starting your own business and you're helping out your friends who need a place to stay, especially yeah. in an ever increasing market. And I'm not dishonest to them at all. They know exactly how much I pay for my mortgage and oh, obviously yeah. they know what they pay for their rent. But the cool thing is, is they're both looking at me like, oh, whoa, I want to do this. So we're already talking about, I'm more than willing to break their lease whenever they're ready to take the jump. And they're yeah. talking to lender, uh, our preferred lender and um, thinking about how they're going to house hack and be in my position essentially. Uh, so that's really cool and empowering to see them, you know, take yeah. this jump, this leap uh, and, and see firsthand how they can, instead of being a tenant, you know, gain tenants to do the same thing I'm doing. Yeah. I think that's phenomenal because they're learning from you you learned from what I've done. I've learned from what Corby's done. And it's just like, it's just this ever evolving circle of just helping, helping a friend, helping a neighbor, having a conversation. Yeah. Or you like, know, well, you don't ask for anything in return. It's just, it's fun. And you, 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 you enjoy friendship. Exactly. And I think a biggest, uh, 
something that attracted to this team for me was the f- how open you were on just having a conversation. Like we sat down for coffee when I was still in real estate school and we were chatting about investment and you were genuinely trying to teach me, even though yep. I was just some Joe Schmo off the, the street. Um, so adopting that and trying to be not necessarily an investor or a real estate agent, but being an educator and educating people. Yep. So yep. regardless of what market they're in, educating them to mitigate the risk so they can, how many times can I say educate? (laughs) (laughs) So they can take the leap of faith and find that financial independence. So if some earth shattering thing comes up in their life, they can, you know, quit their W2 and do this full time or have that security for their family or the generational wealth. So their kids can work, work maybe a little less hard than they had to. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. So that's honestly, that's, that's a big reason of why we're here today. So without Corby, without Boise turnkey, We would not be here with you guys today talking on this podcast and reaching out to as many people as we can to help out as many people as we can if we didn't bring on Corby today. And that's, we felt it was very important just to nail the, the importance of nailing the coffin of like, this is why we're doing this and we're here to help. And you can obviously how much Corby is here to help. And he's a big influence on our lifestyle and, and our goals and moving forward. So we wanted to say thank you to that. And, um, we're just, before we close it out here, if there's anything else that you guys want to add um, or takeaways from these stories. Yeah, so like paying tribute, obviously, but now let's pull the limelight away because we're all uncomfortable at this point. <laughs> I want to talk about the team that you've assembled because we have some pretty cool, we have a we have a, we have a very diverse team, mm-hmm. a lot of people that are doing different things. So I kind of just want to shout out the Boise Turnkey team and how much we have, like how many um, different straws we have in I don't, I don't even know what expression I was going to go for. Yeah. How many poles we have in the fire or whatever. <laughs> the Boise Turnkey team is <laughs> yeah. a very diverse team, yeah. and everyone is, like, very smart in their own particular field. Yeah, we'll just edit out my part. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's it's actually been really cool. Um, I, I mentioned that, like, all these opportunities kind of just dropped in my life. They do, yeah. And doing doing the cohesion properties, our, our property management thing, what happened was all these people we're managing properties for just started saying, like, hey, do you know somebody who can help me analyze this deal? Or I want to do a 1031 exchange. you know somebody who can help me? And – it just became obvious that like that that's where our business was going to go. So I, I went and got my real estate license and just started working with people who are property management clients that we already had a relationship with because it was dropping in our lap and it was really fun. And, and then, you know, I already knew the market pretty well. I had a good idea of what they were trying to do. Um, and so that started growing and, and that was really cool. And then um, one of our, our neighbors uh, who's a real estate agent that, um, had kind of been out on her own. I, I talked with her because I, I mentioned again, I'm not a detailed person and I, I needed help with just like paperwork and stuff. And, and I asked if she wanted to come on and, and basically do the paperwork for all my stuff that we had going on. And she, so she jumped on board and that's been awesome. Uh, and, and it just kind of organically grew from there. Um, Matt actually just called me out of the blue once cause he was looking for somebody to, to kind of help him analyze some deals. Yeah. Um, and we chatted a little bit and I, I did a few deals with him and then he was like, would it be weird if, if I joined your team? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I mean, yeah. you can obviously hear that he's got a ton of energy and, and positivity, which is awesome. So um, I've got, you know, there, there's a guy that, that I've known for a while that lives in our neighborhood that he's doing some small scale developments and I don't have experience there. And, and he has jumped on and helped us. And, and so he does some transactions through us and, and I'm learning from him. He's learning from me. Um, we've got another, uh, another girl on our team that her family and, and her do flips together. And so she represents her family and is going out and digging up off market deals for us to bring to other clients. Um, 
uh, Matt has been working with a bunch of his buddies to the military, and he's really out there trying to kind of sing the praises of, of that VA loan and how you can scale a portfolio and, and really put very little money down. Um, yeah, I mean, we've got a team of a bunch of people doing all kinds of stuff. We've got, I, I forgot to mention, uh, Lexi and her husband, Brandon. Um, yeah, they, rock stars. Yeah, they, they're doing all Brushing kinds of creative it. finance stuff. And yeah. like, I can't even wrap my head around the the volume of things that they're doing in a creative way. Yeah, I love the creative financing piece because we get to watch them do different, like wildly different deals. I mean, it's almost every other day, it seems like. And just trying to like suckle yeah. off of that knowledge has been incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you, uh, you guys know uh, Chris, who he, mm -hmm. he, he actually just like, I don't know, it's probably been three years. He just called me out of the blue, found my profile in Bigger Pockets, and he lived in Tennessee and he was investing there, was moving to Boise to get married, and asked if he'd join the team. And, and I said, well, let's hang out a little bit. And he moved here and we met a few times. And he is the smartest, most savvy, helpful yeah. guy ever. I've yeah. never met a person with better manners. <laughs> yeah. Or a better beard. Uh, he yeah. does have an excellent beard. Incredible. Yeah, yes. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, we, I mean, we're, we're really lucky. We've got a bunch of people who are really on fire about doing this, and they all have like a different angle on it. It's been really cool. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. We got to shout out Shannon by name, the uh, our coordinator. She yeah. is incredible. I think that, pro I mean, I took off to Greece for a week and probably every single one of my deals would have fallen through if not for that human being specifically. So Shannon, if you're watching, which I hope you are because support the team. <laughs> uh, thank you. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that just goes to show like, I, I know I've talked to you guys about it, but the whole, the whole goal is to, to live your best life. That's nothing yep. as real estate mm -hmm. or like building right. up your bank yep. account. Yes. And I've told you guys that like one of my goals for, on, for the team is like, if you want to leave for a month and go do your own thing and shut your phone off, I want to do that. <laughs> So I certainly <laughs> want to create a scenario where you guys yeah. can do that too. And like, if, if you've got a bunch of stuff going on, we're all going to jump in and help so you can live your best life. And then you're going to do that for us when we're gone. So. Yeah. Awesome. Exactly. Okay. Well, we really appreciate having you on. We are going to wrap it up a little bit here, but before we do, uh, we have a couple questions. First one off the riff. We didn't talk about what Gorby, what is one thing that you're working on today moving forward that maybe somebody listening could possibly help you with? Um, one thing I'm moving, moving or working on right now. That's um, a good question. Dang. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm in with the kill shot. It's yeah, funny we so. started this. I'm going to give you some time to think. I'm, I'm, I'm the merciful Matt. <laughs> but we started this off with like behind the scenes, like, yo, we're going to ask you this question at the end. We're going to ask everyone it, but like this is our yeah. first row, so we want it to go smoothly. So we're like giving yeah. you some uh, forewarning, and then Matt just comes in right for the jugular. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, I've got one. It may not be the best answer, but it's kind of a creative yeah. way that we're dealing with uh, a situation that we have okay. to, to create more revenue. So we, uh, we have this duplex that we manage that we're, we're renovating right now. And it's got kind of a weird layout. And I was, I was walking through it. We're not renovating. We have a contractor that's doing sure, the work. Sure. So I'm terrible with that stuff. <laughs> um, but yesterday I went over there and was walking through. And um, on one side, it's a one-bedroom unit. On the other side, it's technically a three-bedroom unit. But one of the bedrooms is really funky. And no one would ever use it as a bedroom. And so we've always marketed and rented it as a two-bedroom. Well... They had done a bunch of demo and we're getting ready to start putting stuff back together. And when I was walking through, it clicked in my head that there was a spot where we could cut open a wall and then seal off a bedroom on the other side. And we'd have two two bedroom units instead of a one bedroom unit mm. and then a two bedroom unit on the other side. Um, and in in Boise, a two bedroom unit rents for about $500 more a month than a one bedroom unit. And so I called the contractor and I said, can you take a closer look at this and give me an idea of uh, of how simple it would be just to do this? So we talked this morning, and, and he's 
he's going to button it up. It's not going to cost very much. But that little simple thing that uh, I hadn't really even thought about until this morning, mm-hmm. uh, it's probably going to cost $1,000 to do that. And it's going to create another $500 in rent every month. Yeah. That. So you pay yourself back in two months. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. awesome. I like this because I'm sure a lot of people have problems in their life that they're trying to solve. And it just goes to show that just ask for help. Just reach out to somebody and be like, hey, this is a problem I'm having. Like you reached out to your contractor. Hey, is this even a possibility? Can we even do this? You know, and it's it's incredible how powerful a team can be. You know, I always like to give the analogy that Michael Jordan was the, the greatest NBL basketball player of all time, but had no championships in the six years. And it wasn't until he formed a team around him that he started winning. So just getting those right people, that's fantastic. Yeah, and it really goes to show there's no reason to use the words I can't ever. It's yep. how can I? Yeah. And then if you can't come up with a solution, finding someone who has that solution. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Okay. Yeah. All right. Our last actionable item step um, for the listeners here today and going over everything that we've discussed, what's one actionable item step that they could take today that would help them achieve their goals? Yeah. And uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be real estate. It can just be like, you know, yeah. whatever you, whatever comes to mind. Well, I, I will... I'll, I'll try to make it specific because usually people say like, read this book mm-hmm. or yeah, or yeah. hire this mentor or something. I'm I'm not I'm not big on like hiring mentors or anything like that. It, it works for some people, so there's no judgment. But like, mm-hmm. I think there are so many people out there like you guys that it, anybody that wants to learn about real estate could reach out to, and they would be happy to sit down for a cup of coffee or something like that. If you if you want to get involved in real estate, you don't know anything about real estate or investing, and you want to get the ball rolling. Honestly, the simplest thing is find, it doesn't have to be an agent. I don't want to sound like I'm like selling real estate sure. agents or anything like that. But I mean, find a real estate agent or a lender or, or somebody who's got a couple, I'm sure like your mom or dad or your uncle knows somebody who owns two rental properties Yeah, that could just give you some really high level ideas about it. Sit down with somebody who, who has done a little bit more than you. Just ask them questions. And I, I found this to be true of people in general, not just in real estate, but like people love helping other people. If, if you can sit down and share some information with somebody that you struggled to learn and give them a leg up, people love doing that. And a, a lot of newbies are like nervous to reach out and they think that they're bothering somebody. They have all this important stuff to do and they're doing meetings all day long and that kind of stuff. Generally, that's not the case. People love helping other people. And if you are genuinely curious and kind and respectful, you will get so much out of the people in your life that, you're, that are willing to help and share. So. Wow. I mean, that'd be the actionable thing for me is reach out to somebody who's doing just a little bit more than you and genuinely, curiously ask them some questions. Buy them a cup of coffee and, and just let them tell you what they know and, and they'll feel good about it and you'll feel good about it. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. That's buy, buy them a cup of coffee. <laughs> and this is a perfect segue into Corby. If somebody wanted to reach out, how would they get a hold of you? Yeah, uh, it's pretty simple. Um, they can reach any of us on boiseturnkey.com. Um, they can learn a little bit about what we do. Uh, we're all in bigger pockets, so I, I okay. post a lot in bigger pockets um, under Boise Turnkey and my personal name, um, or cohesionproperties.com, of course. Yeah, but yeah, awesome, easy to find. All right, well, thanks everybody for joining us today. And Matthew, take us out. All right, guys. So uh, we're gonna edit this part out because I've been put on the hook. And I, <laughs> I did not. Gosh. <laughs> Dang it. Uh, <laughs> good thing that we have an out- outro that's pre-canned and we just shot that. Um, yeah, so we had some laughs. We had some tears. This has been a great first episode, uh, working out some of the kinks. Corby, you're a delight to work with and yeah. even better so to sit across. Uh, and so thanks for being a, a gracious guest and making this very easy for our first podcast. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks yeah. for having me. All right. All right. Hey everyone, we're the Turnkey Brothers, and thanks for tuning in with us today. 
Don't forget to smash our algorithm with those likes, subscribes, and sharing it with someone you think would benefit from this episode. Also, don't forget to follow us on your favorite social media platforms at Turnkey Brothers. 